0: Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk.
1: Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. It's head East. It's head
2: East. It's head in East. It's head 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 East. It's head
3: in East.
2: Hello everyone, welcome to Ukraine Plus Football, the home of the number one English language podcast on the Ukrainian beautiful game. Thanks to our excellent hosts last week, Ross from Sky Sports. You did a great job, mate, but I've had to take back the reins this week, of course. I'm Adam from Foot 24 and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. on Alondansk. Andrew, hey Andrew, you've been really busy again this weekend, mate. you got a Any rest lined up over the next few weeks?
3: I wish. Nope. All full steam ahead. Whilst I'm in Kiev, going to be trying to maximise everything and hopefully even a few trips outside of Kiev once the club football gets back underway. But yeah, fully focused on the national team coming up from tomorrow, really.
2: It is, it is. It comes around quick every time. And of course, as well, where else would I be without Ray? Right, mate, what's going on with this weather at the moment? It's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it, mate?
1: Yeah, I wish our listeners would have seen that in Kiev these days, you know. It's like everything Summer hadn't spoken with us about has just arrived in the form of thunderstorms in all forms. Yeah, it's good to have all of us in the same sort of vicinity of it so we can witness it. And uh, yeah, that's hell of a cracker
2: really does. It? it felt like the end of the world today, driving through Borges, Well, It really did. Some, some kind of horrible horror movie thing going on there. Of course, as uh, Andrew said, we're all fully focused on the national team uh, this week. And who else would we have join us? Of course, Peter from The Next Way. Now, Peter... We haven't seen you since the Euros, mate. How's your summer been?
0: Um, You're complaining about the weather. I think our summer ended in May. So it's been <laughs> autumn, autumn here in Yorkshire since then. But uh, yeah, it's been good. Um I had a bit of a break, really, from the kind of football stuff. Switched off a little bit, but getting back into it now and obviously with the national team coming back um, and all the changes that we'll no doubt discuss. Um, yeah, we're starting to get excited again as well as uh European um, football coming back and the UPL getting into full swing. Yeah, it's happy days.
2: It really is. It really is. And of course, with with the fixtures coming up, let's have a quick look at how uh, the boys got on this weekend. Who's in hot form? I think there's no better place to start with than... Dinamo, that put in a scintillating performance on Saturday. I noticed Andrew sneaked into the stadium to have a quick look there. How did the game go?
3: Well, I wasn't expecting it to be as one-sided as it eventually turned out to be 7-0. Sadly, we didn't see any records broken, which I think was the only negative. Could have gone on to 9-10-0, had the intensity of the first half continued into the second. But nonetheless, yeah, completely dominant by Dynamo. Colos just didn't turn up at all. Seven goals. Um, Bujalski with a beautiful uh, chip, just showcasing the kind of hot form he's on in the moment and potentially could end up being a star for the national team under this new Petrikov um, style side, whatever you want to call it. So we'll talk about that a bit later. But one thing I do want to highlight, I think, out of the seven goals, no strikers scored any of them. So you had um, Skurin play the first 45, Ramirez play the second 45, and in a 7-0 win, they didn't get any goals. I think Skurin got an assist, but ultimately showing there is something still potentially lacking in Dinamo's centre-forward department. Hopefully that does progress um, more positively in the next few weeks, and especially once, once the... European fixtures start, but something for Luchescu to definitely ponder on. And it's looking like potentially that Gerson Rodriguez, who's been linked with a move away, might not actually be moving away anymore because the Serie A side, Santa whatever it's called, I can't remember. But um, they had some issues with uh, Sorkis' negotiation, who wanted a bit more than they were planning on paying, according to the rumours. So we'll see where that ends up. And probably the biggest news from that game, or fallout, you could say, is that Mr. Kolos Kovalevka, Ruslan Kostishin, the manager, the stalwart in the side, the ever-present guy from the amateurs all the way to the Premier League, to the Europa League, has resigned and left the club. And there's rumours that he's going to be given some sort of vice-president role <laughs> because of everything he's played there. But, yeah, a completely new dawn and era for Colos coming up after the international break. Who knows what's going to happen there, though?
2: I mean, let's let's be honest, it's probably needed, would you say?
3: Yeah, they were... It looked like just looked like they didn't turn up against Dynamo. And, I mean, we've been discussing them over the opening match days as well and the Europa Conference League matches where they were just... I don't know, they just didn't look anywhere near as good as they have been over the past couple of seasons. Maybe it's the loss of Anchuk has been so detrimental to their side, um, selling him to Dynamo Cave. No, but seriously, I think I'm, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Maybe they've just run out of steam. You know, the fact that they finished, what, sixth that season before, then they finished mm-hmm. fourth last season. And now what? You know, realistically, they're not going to be finishing third and they've not recruited with such a leap level of players to be challenging for that. So yeah, I think the only way is down the table, maybe not relegation but some sort of change was needed and fun Kravstishin seems to have taken it upon himself to make that decision.
2: All credit to him. We've seen it across football where when managers have been in for a number of years and they, you know, they don't know if it's they've run out of steam but the team philosophy just goes stale, needs freshening up. And I know when we came away from that Europa League tie, we all felt that the team looked like it was on its last legs back then. And we've been calling for it. And all credit to Costitian for you know taking the lead and handing in his resignation instead of pulling the team down further down this road. And hopefully any any rumors at all yet about who the new guy may be, or is it still quiet?
3: Sadly, the only rumour, and I hope it's only a rumour, is Alexander Hatzkevich is the number one candidate. So, yeah. But I think that's based on the fact that he was seen at a Colos game recently. So it could be completely foundless. And, I mean, if he turns up, well, it could only get worse if uh, we're going by any of his recent other club ventures. I think, you know, there's the potential, I think I even heard some rumours like he Kovalec could be involved, Ray's laughing, and also <laughs> maybe Oleksandr Babic, a former Mariupol manager. No idea, though, nothing's mm-hmm. really set in stone, but hopefully it will become a bit more clear over the next days and weeks.
2: I mean, the good thing, of course, they've got two weeks now to get it sorted. Uh, great performance by Dynamo, wasn't it? Peter, have you been impressed by their start of the season?
0: Yeah, obviously they had the slight um, blip against Inhalets, but um, I've seen some of the players commenting on what a what an influence and kind of inspiration that Luchescu can be, because obviously he was away for that, that game and he missed. I know it was only a friendly against Inter Milan, but he didn't travel for that, and obviously they, they got pretty head- comfortably beaten. Um, but yeah, they have seem to have seen maybe a weakness uh, in the oppositions. I'm, I'm talking obviously Shakhtar here, and the wily old fox, Luchescu, is pouncing. Um, and they're getting the performances 4 nil, 7-0. Um, you can't be more more impressed than that, really. Um, and then, yeah, it's good to see. I mean, maybe some of the performances haven't been the best, but um, Tijankov's among the goals. And like we've already mentioned with Buialski, um, he's performing really, really well at the minute. So f- hopefully, finally, we'll see him carry that form over to Zbirna. Um, and they're keeping clean sheets, which, you know, you're halfway there if you're keeping a clean sheet. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really impressive start. Um so from my personal bias perspective, long may that continue.
3: <laughs> yeah, just to add, actually, the Dynamo in recent seasons have really struggled against both Desna and Colos in those games. They've been like getting draws. I think Colos won one of them at one point or something like that. And, you know, just to see this start of this season when Desna were like flying with their four wins out of four and then got completely shut down in that four nil loss. Uh, last week and then this time round Kolos getting completely dismantled maybe it might be influenced by a change in the opposition clubs themselves as well but yeah some sort of positive signs from Dynamo Kiev going forward especially with their recent boki teams being overcome
2: yeah definitely so hey uh, you know a bit of a promotion for Kesanenko there as well come out in the last week
3: Yeah, he's the new goalkeeper coach. He takes over from the former, from the Spaniard that was in Shevchenko's squad. And Kernozenko, well, he's got experience. He was part of that under-20 World Cup winning squad. So he knows the likes of Lunin. And once Lunin returns to the team, you probably expect in October, then that should be helpful, amongst other things. We'll see. He was quite funny in his uh, unveiling press conference on the weekend where someone asked him, So, are you going to be juggling your role at Colossus and as Birna? And he says, This was about half an hour before Kostician resigned. And he was like, Well, don't ask me about the club thing because I don't really know about (laughs) that. (laughs) about that so who knows he maybe he's only got there's been a job so lucky for him
1: and one more thing one more thing about karnozenko i mean if you look at this guy's um, appearance i mean if i would see him in the middle of the night i wouldn't ever want to miss a goal again in my life (laughs) i mean i would play with one foot with one eye with one tooth if he tells me to to do so you know this is the kind of guy we have at national team and this is strong
2: brilliant hey ray moving on to you now uh shaktar you know sort of coming out of the european week a bit of positivity there traveling down to which full of good spirits and then they met katerina monsel how did <laughs> how did that end up it never ends up well but was it another story like that
1: it was another story of the new season, which you want to have a VHS recording of years, years after it took place. As we know, this old stadium in road is similar to Kropivnitsky one, and it was packed. And, in, you, know, in, you know, these running tracks around and all this atmosphere, you know, 2000s. And Minai player, I don't I didn't remember his surname. I just remember his flying, you know, flying as a superman. Right after he scored a wonderful goal with a thunderbolt header, the moment, uh, moments after that, he dived again into the air trying to, you know, he felt this sm- sweet smell of success. But unfortunately, he didn't score the second header as astonishingly as he did the first. Uh, Shakhtar lost a bit of a nerve in this game. Marlon took... To yellows as well as uh, uh, Dodo. In the very end of the game, he took a. He had a, a bit of a brawl with um, Elder. Once again, I forgot the surname of a Minai guy, but he was he wasn't provoking or uh, you know meaning anything harm for Dodo. But you know Dodo's temper, similar to Tyson's, although he's a defender. But yeah, kind of a nasty stuff, and Monzel dealt with it professionally. Overall, a great result for Minai. A uh, wonderful game to watch with your grandkids. I would go that far.
2: <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, hands up. I think we all we all got it wrong about Manai uh, at the start of the season. They've 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 really impressed over the last few games. We watched them a couple of weeks back in Zaporizhia when they they held Zarya. They've held Shakhtar now as well. Uh, What's your take on Marlon, Ray, since he's come? Seems a bit of a liability, from what I can see.
1: He seemed really... He did not seem guilty, you know, when he had this <laughs> set-off in the game. Uh, previously, yeah, he, he doesn't match uh, quite well with Vital or uh, uh, others of his Brazilian compatriots. Uh, I would say we need some Ukrainians in, back in there, <laughs> to say the least. And, um, well... It was luck with Monaco, and did Zarbi switch his style of play with Minai? <laughs> I would say he should have done the quite the opposite.
2: Yeah, I agree. Notice that uh, Mudrick didn't start. Again. It was uh, Sol- Solomon was on the pitch. How did he look in? Did de- decent performance or was he off his game?
1: He looked great. He had a decent chance uh, to you know to kill the game with his second goal but he took, he hit the post. So quite a decent performance from him. And he was also involved in the moment when uh, Shakhtar was given a penalty, which they scored eventually. And uh, I would say that uh, Mudri has himself a uh, competitor.
2: Good to hear. Now, we can't talk about the Shakhtar Manai game without uh, mentioning the the penalty king, Guru, Selesnyov, and his... Uh, Little shirt mishap, shirt controversy. Uh, how does that happen? How do how, how can that honestly happen that he goes out on the pitch missing the glory to Ukraine badge on 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 his top?
1: Well, can you imagine him not going on uh, in starting lineup if he doesn't have this sticker on his t shirt? Hardly. I mean, I would have gone there to you know to punish Shakhtar, but yeah, that's a. Um, an issue, by, uh, an issue uh, which should be addressed to the administrators of the club. And as our friend of the pod, Donsov <clears throat> said in the interview, there are simply not enough of those stickers provided for uh, the club. And as they were playing they away kit, first time this season, I believe, uh, that's why they didn't have uh, any of those stickers left. As we remember that uh, Seliznov played their blue kit with the sticker on which says glory to Grangle, glory to the heroes. So we're all good there. It's just a mismatch. Yeah, you don't want to see this systematically, but um, I, I wouldn't go so far to blame Salisna once again for it. It's just an accident.
3: Like he said on uh himself, why always me is what he gave the commentary <laughs> on. <of. laughs> <laughs> just typical that it would be his sort of for him. Yeah, I think on this occasion, despite all the other... Stuff he's done in the past, uh, not really his fault to blame him for.
2: Oh, Selesnyov. Is Selesnyov the Ukrainian Balotelli or is Balotelli the Italian Selesnyov?
3: (laughs) Balotelli is by far the original, I think. He was even seen this week on a non-related Ukrainian football thing, having a right go, getting subbed off. So I think there's plenty more controversy from his end and probably more to come.
2: Oh I was down, Drew. Uh, how disappointing have Shakhtar been over the last few weeks. They were really, really lucky midweek, weren't they? In
3: well, yeah, if it wasn't for the mighty Mudric and Harton and Balls, as uh be uh, said in his post match interview. I think we well, wouldn't have got through.
2: I think we even go we're stretching it to say if it was down to Mudric. I mean, that was he went clean through and decided to cut it back to the edge of the box. And if it weren't for the defender's foot. I think they'd still be attempting penalties now, the way the game was going. It was it was very, very poor. Do you
0: think, does everyone know his team yet? Because um, he reminds me a little bit like Lucescu quite a few years ago when the time when Luccarelli was coming, where Lucescu had a Shakhtar team who played in the Champions League and then a separate team that played in the UPL. And it seems they're changing the teams every every game and even the system and style of play. is doing that now. And do you think it's going to settle down when you know, when we get going in autumn or is it still going to be chopping and changing? Cause obviously I think... it's not
3: paying off at the minute, is it? No, it's all to do with the player limit. So because he needs to play with like four Ukrainians in the side, in the UPL, he's forced to play with four Ukrainians or however. And then once it comes to the Champions League, he just dumps all of them, throws in Matvianko and uh, the goalkeeper. And yeah, that's how it is. And I- Hopefully he does start adapting to, you know, being more cohesive in both the league and the Champions League. But if not, it could be a bit ugly <laughs> when it comes to actual European football because that second leg against Monaco was yeah, tough.
2: Very tough indeed. And even in the domestic league dropping points against Mena and Alexandria already, it's it's looking tough there, right? Not, not, not going so well for them at this time, at this stage of the season. Now, a team we expected to do poorly, uh, but were early pace setters before the game against Dinamo the other week. Desna uh, had a, a home match against Vérez, didn't they, Ray? He was home banker for
1: Desna, of course, against newly promoted Vérez.
2: Was it as simple as that for the
1: Northerners? Yeah, quite a weird game to be fair. Uh, Kalidzew didn't shine as bright as he showed himself previously, and Varys, he, they were leading st- Istanbul style 3 0 before the break, and they were actually uh, wearing the very same kit as Liverpool did back in the day. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't go s- so far to say that it wasn't—it uh, was unexpected, as we as we. Um, uh, predicted that uh, and Desna yeah well it's time it's about time they fold and some of the players make some decisions I hope that the transfer window I don't know is there like a few days left in the, of the summer transfer window or they should think something about like they should tell their, their agents that something is wrong and Verres did very well that's the one victory to remember that's for sure And a way, 4-0 win yeah
2: inc- absolutely incredible it's for Results like that that make Colos, I think, sort of stand up and pay attention and hang on a second. These teams that are expected to struggle are picking up victories already. But moving on, though, we did mention them. Let's go back to our European representatives. Zoria struggled in a little bit in Europe, but uh, are they finding form in the domestic league, Andrew?
3: Well, the Vorticlub match was a bit of a difficult one. They're relatively level sides, squad-wise, you could say. Once again, the forward line wasn't that impressive and it hasn't been on form really in in the league so far. Zahadi looked a bit better against Rapid midweek, but ultimately they still lost 6-2 on aggregate. So, you know, that was a bit of a humbling and a lot of people saw that tie and thought, oh look, Rapid Vienna, who are they? When reality, <laughs> the reality is is that the Austrian league is probably a few levels above Ukraine for the time being anyway. And the player who sort of shone in this game with the winner was uh, Raymond Owusu. And he's like this young Ghanaian who joined last winter or something like that. And he was playing with the under 21s, under 19s, scoring a load of goals there. And he's coming to the side this season and he's been coming off the bench with like just the odd cameos and he's been getting goals. So I don't understand what it's gonna take for him to get a start over the likes of Hladki or Zachary or, or that like. But yeah, I think it's his third goal off the bench now inside um the first sort of six games. So hopefully he's gonna get more more chances when we come back from the international break. And he looks like another, one of those rogue forwards that Zoria always somehow have a habit of finding. In the past, they had like Dennis Bonaventura. They had that Rafael Silva. All these players, they start scoring loads of goals and they end up leaving very quickly. So maybe he's another one of them.
2: Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with that with the same question Peter just asked about Shakhtar. Do you think Skripnik knows his best 11 at the moment, Andrew?
3: I think he knows who his defence are. Just the issue is that his defence isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got Vernadub and Amerikov, who we've already spoke about, are just very slow and old. Um, Favarov, he is even getting on a bit. He's not been as good as he has been over the past few seasons. Janinio, quite good of going forward, but defensively not there. Then you've got the likes of Kromov and Hladki playing up top. Neither of those have ever really given anything in the big matches ever, you know, maybe hard to keep back in the day, but I mean, he's really old now. Was he like? 35, 36. Come on. Bledsoe and Nazaren are probably the bright sparks. Those are probably the shining light on this side alongside Kucherin. but he's drifting in and out as well on his sort of form. He was quite poor in the European ties, particularly. I think he's got his team mainly due to the fact that he's, got rid of half of his core squad in the summer for free. Well, as Zoria always do. And he's just got to make do with what he's got. And this is probably sort of his weakest 11 for a number of years, in my opinion. Mm
2: -hmm. Fair enough. It's just when we start talking about the five centre forwards there now with uh, Ali Ali Diar and... Zahidi as well as the Ukrainian lads and Ousu coming through, and as they've got Christian as well on the bench, who I quite like the look of as well. Is start wondering who's, who's the best best ones to start over there. But hey, we've still got the Lviv derby to discuss. Now, on the pitch, it wasn't the greatest <laughs> greatest of affairs, as, as 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 it tends to be these days old uh, Mr. Immortal left, left the club. I was wondering if you were going to mention his name in the Colos discussion, but he's, it's obviously not been linked yet. Waiting for a return. Maybe he'll be off to Obalon in the near future. Who knows, right? Uh, <laughs> quite like the sound of that one. But let's i mean, let's take a second to discuss stuff off the pitch there in Lviv with uh, with the work going on with the two clubs. Um, let's Let's not forget that if we go back about three, four seasons, both of these clubs are in the bottom tier, not getting more than a thousand, you know, struggling to get a thousand in for games. And the attendance was just under 6,000 for the match in Lviv this weekend. And I think a lot of it's down to the good work of the the PR departments, the media departments there over in Lviv. Um, Andrew, I saw some of your posts and I've seen, you know Maxim Martin, who's the the head of PR over at Rook, uh seen some of his posts as well, and it was uh, there were you know some of, some of the events and the entertainment on offer around the game seemed to be attracting a good young audience to the football in Lviv uh, for Rook in particular, and a lot of credit needs to be given and promoted uh, there. Uh, There's some people been asking how how on earth of these clubs got support as well. It's down to the great promotion going on by, by, by the clubs within the city and it's bringing people in. All four of us know from personal experience and a lot of people listening to this know as well, Arena Laviv is not the easiest place to go and watch a game of football. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a ball lake to get to to be perfectly honest, and there's a lot of people making the effort to get out there, and they're getting out there early now. There's lots of events on. There was uh, what was it? I saw on your Twitter feed, Andrew, this week the guys with the that the, their personalised newspapers. Uh, being presented to them if they got their pitcher talk and, and the like so it's lots of great things going on there it's, if you're in Lutviv or heading out that way make sure you check out a game and get there an hour or so early because there seems to be a lot of entertainment to enjoy around the ground even before the main event on the pitch takes place which may not always be the greatest game but at least you've had a lot of entertainment for your money during During it, any road. Final result, by the way, 1-0 to Rupp. Own goal by Renan uh, in the second half. Rupp finished with 10 men, but uh, they seem to be going okay. Moving up to mid-table, FC Lviv still struggling down the bottom. But we'll come back to that another another day. Um, Another two teams in mid-table met on Saturday. Being Metalist and Dnipro. Now, Dnipro were one of our hot teams sort of earlier this year, but they seem to have gone off the boil. A question how much they can cope without Dov Big. Dov wasn't on the pitch for this game and they needed a last minute winner from Bill. Uh, as as got finally got off the mark this year on its uh, loan, year long loan at Dinamo, but Metalist uh, 1925. Are impressing this season and holding their own in mid-table. Now, what other games we got to discuss? Inglets. Ingolets, haven't we, Ray? Now, one of our favourites to go down, playing the Mariupol, who seem to be really struggling at the moment. Ray, what was that one like? Not man,
1: not much uh, positive news for Mariupol from uh, the start of the season. Um, Vlad Sharai from Inglets scores two and. A uh, an African fella with a, with the last name of GoPay. He scores the third one in the best traditions of Emil Hesky. So I would say that's the favorite player of late Lobonovsky has finally arrived back in Ukraine. And when he, you know, the way he celebrated his goal, he ran to the stand somewhere showing, pointing his finger to someone as if like I scored, now you go pay me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, not really not the brightest display from Mariupol. I would ma- match them with Desna uh, if we talk about this match day overall in terms of quality of uh, uh, play. But uh, yeah, you know, that's quite impressive so far uh, after the um, Dynamo game in Kiev, the draw. Uh, so that we, we've got used to teams like know that's folding after a great big result but it wasn't the case so well done for them
2: thank you <laughs> and yeah all credit to them i think yeah, it's it's good to see them move up to mid-table as well now the final final game of the weekend it was the other uh port city of Sean uh, Moritz. Andrew, any positive signs down there in uh, Odessa?
3: Just about. Unfortunately, the Ultras are still not feeling too happy with the club and started throwing flares and other things at the coach on the way to the game. But it didn't seem to deter the actual players in the end. And it looks like the Dinamo Loneys are finally bedding in, which is always a positive to see Van Nat got his first senior goal. And the player that everyone was tipping to be the key man for Toronto-Moritz this season, Avagimian, the Armenian guy. He's been playing quite well and he got a nice goal too. In general, Alexandria are that sort of unpredictable team. You know, they can get these results against the likes of Shakhtar. And then when it comes to sort of the lower teams... They struggle a bit. In general, I think we can expect more consistency of that level. Uh, unpredictability, but on the whole, uh, nothing too enjoyable.
2: I'm sorry for you having having to suffer it. I really am. <laughs> but, I mean, it's the one thing with the Toronto Moritz game. I think at least you guaranteed goals. That's the, <laughs> to give them all their credit. Now, Guys, so let's move on to the biz, you know, sort of the meat of the pod today. You know, we've got the European fixtures and the national team to 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 discuss. Let's let's start with Dinamo's uh, Champions League group. Peter, I, any hope for them there? Any hope for you to finally make Barcelona? Uh what's going on?
3: Yeah, the absolute dream
0: fixture I've been waiting for for like 10 years. Barcelona, it happens twice on the trot and with COVID restrictions and the costs of testing these days, it's just, it's not going to happen again. Um, it's, it's a fantastic draw on paper. I mean, like I said, with, there'll be some fantastic um, highlight packages from the Lobanovsky era again that we get to see with the, the Barcelona and um, Bayern Munich and then, of course, the return of Yaremchuk as well. So that's another thing to, to really look forward to another date for the diary. Um, but as for realistic hopes, I think it's going to be very, very hard. I, I, if I was a betting man, I would bet on fourth at the minute. Um, it'll be interesting how Dynamo play as well, because last season in the Champions League, they were very, very negative. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting back and hoping for something on the counter-attack. Admittedly, they did really well at the new Camp. Um, but they didn't really follow it up with anything else. Uh, And there's no Ferenc Varos who they can expect to beat this time. So I think Europa League is going to be a struggle. Um, I'd take take it right now, but I I can't see it. Um, So, yeah, I think it's going to be another difficult campaign um, for Dinamo, unfortunately.
2: Uh, Guys, do you agree with that sort of sentiment? Any hope that Barcelona may falter without Messi this year?
1: I see the final standings in this group and I see 0-18 in the goals column and obviously zero points in the points column, unfortunately.
2: Oh, shame, shame, shame. We need some optimism. Andrew, are you going to give us any optimism?
1: The Bayern
3: game, well, the ties are going to be ugly. That's all I can say. Maybe, maybe <laughs> some sort of goal against Benfica.
2: Oh, nice. Think-
3: I like playing Benfica, but Dinamo is a different story. Don't know what that is going to match up as. And in general, the sort of Yaremchuk back to Dinamo tie is also, seems ominous uh, and sort of written in the stars that is going to be some sort of headline with him cupping his ear to Sorkis in the stand. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting triple B uh, group and... I think I'm slightly more positive than Ray in terms of the goals scored, but the points is going to be a tough
2: one. Well, are you are you more or less positive on the, the, the goals conceded? I think that's going to be the bigger one.
3: Oh, well, based on that sort of inter-friendly, not too positive. <laughs> Maybe in and around there, sadly. Because, you know, even though Barca have lost Messi, he didn't do much last season against Dinamo and they still managed to beat Dynamo 4-0 with their like B team with a bunch of youngsters, etc. So with Memphis Depay up top and the likes, uh, it's, oh. I don't want to see it, but it just seems like it's highly likely.
2: Well, I certain circus will be counting the qualification money anyway to keep him busy on those nights. And quite ironically, there's been a huge crash of thunder right outside my house at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> the gods are smiling. The gods really are. Oh, Shakhtar, it's like deja vu. I love the tweet from Borussia back asking where their invite was for the the re-meet. But, uh, or repeat, why would you call it? I mean, third place for Shakhtar guys in the group. Are we uh, writing off Sheriff already? Been a few people saying Sheriff and Shakhtar should have been kept apart in the draw. I mean, what's your view on that one, Ray?
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't understand what Sheriff is doing politically. I mean, if you count political reasons in the Champions League, but it's good that Dup is coming back and he he surely knows how to play Shakhtar with any coaches and any players. So uh, I would say that uh, Europa League is out of reach this season for us. It's an exclusive tournament from now on for Ukrainian football. So if only the fourth team in the group would uh, um, relegate to Conference League, then we would have something going, but not anymore.
2: You don't see you see Sheriff taking third spot and Shakhtar fourth.
1: I'm saying that I would love to see it because it would have been so in your face for everyone, you know.
2: Okay, okay. <laughs> Andrew, do you agree with that?
1: Um,
3: no, I think Ray's been slightly too uh, pessimistic, optimistic for whatever his uh, point of view is, but. No, Shakhtar have to finish third in that group, minimum. You know, they've been beating Real Madrid last campaign and they got a couple of draws against Inter too. So the only bogey team for Shakhtar last campaign was actually Bruce Gladbach, and they're not here. So, you know, <laughs> if anything, they should be topping the group. No 10-0 aggregate loss over the two fixtures this time, hopefully. So... I mean, I think they've got the potential to finish top two if they really put their minds to it. But on the basis of how deserved sides have been playing in the UCL and how what we discussed with you know Petro's question earlier leaves a lot to be desired, and not a hundred percent sure if that will be the case.
2: Agreed. So we should mention as well, you know, the inter team that they played last year has been decimated by. Uh, the transfer window with a lot of players moving out Lukaku being most sort of noticeable and of course the unfortunate uh, illness that hit Christian Eriksen the sort of denying an inter of his services as well so I think that inter team will be a lot weaker than it was 12 months ago and of course as Andrew mentioned earlier sorry lost to Rapid, drop down into the Conference League, so we have got a Conference League group stage representative which is what we've been hoping for but it would have been nicer if it was Voskla or uh, Kolos. Now guys, views on that draw, I mean if Zoria don't finish top two questions surely must be asked there with all due respect to the Norwegian and the Bulgarian leagues, you'd like to think Zoria could, could beat them with their European
1: experience uh, Ray? Not that pessimistic this time, guys. So don't worry. <laughs> uh, it's just with sorry. It always depends on November and December uh, when the UCL. Oh, sorry, <laughs> uh, European League money is coming through, like the qualification money. The UEFA gives them these uh, sums closer to the mid-season. So if they survive until November, then we might have them topping the group and qualifying further. Apart from that. The only thing they would be thinking is counting days on the calendar.
2: Yeah, quite right. Of course, I read as well now, Mourinho's kind of going to win some sort of record for as visiting foreign manager to have played in most Ukrainian cities when he goes to Zaporizhia. Now, off my head, this is a little quiz question for you. Off my head, I can think of three cities. Has he played in any other than Kiev, Odessa and what will be Zaporizhia? Did he ever go to Done yet? School playing Kharkiv?
1: No, I would say he didn't. I would oh. say that's three for him Is it coming for- up. Coming, yeah, coming up.
2: Coming up, <laughs> I should add. Yeah. Not off the top of my head. All right. Any anyone at home, if you can if he's if he's managed the team and any others, do let us know. Now, new it's a new era for the Ukrainian national team, isn't mm-hmm. it? Uh Petrikov. Peter, were you surprised by the announcement? What was are you happy with him being in charge?
0: Um, well, I think obviously he's he's not the first choice, was he? Um, I don't even know if he was the second choice, but um with Rebrov obviously they're not being able to reach an agreement. And time running out, it was kind of the obvious, inevitable, um, I will make him a caretaker, a uh, pair of safe hands. He's obviously got the experience with the under-20s. It is quite a step up, but he knows the setup. he knows international football. Um, so, given the circumstances and given that they'd kind of put all their eggs in the Rebrov basket and that not paying off, I don't think there's anywhere else to go, really. So, um Satisfied. I mean, he's probably in, in the list of candid, realistic candidates and now we just have to see how it goes.
2: Been impressed with his work so far?
0: Um, yeah, obviously the the World Cup win um, speaks for itself uh, and, his, and his record bringing other teams through um, in the youth categories. But just the way he's been talking uh, in the last week has been kind of almost refreshing. Um, you know, it's a bit more down to earth. You're actually getting answers to questions. Um But yeah, he's saying, you know, we take it game by game, Um, every game's a final, you know, it'd be a bit more pragmatic, so it might not be nice, play it out from defence football, but at the end of the day, I'd rather beat Kazakhstan with a fluky goal, 1-0, than play the best football in the world and draw 1-1, so it's the result that counts at the end of the day, Um, so fingers crossed he delivers.
2: Yeah, I agree completely, agree completely. Um, Andrew, you were at his, uh, been at his press conference and uh, the training session, I believe as well, yesterday. How? What's been your opinion of his work over the last few days?
3: Just like Petros says, refreshing. I think uh, he seems to be down to earth. Last week, he was pictured being on the Metro. That's something that you'd never picture Shevchenko or any other sort of former coach doing. He's sort of the the people's manager, you could say, Petrikov. Really, he's already in the good books of the majority of journalists and fans too, with his stance on players from that play in Russia. So Petrikov was walking down in central Kiev in February, and he saw sort of all the photos of the people that have sacrificed their lives during the war and all that kind of thing, and he said. I mean, it wouldn't be right for me to call someone up who's playing over there. And, you know, not until there is some sort of change of times will that change. I mean, it's been the de facto policy of the UAF since the war began anyway, really. But now it's sort of officially come out of the actual manager's mouth. Whereas Shevchenko, he always played the sort of apolitical side of things where he try to stay away from anything like that and get involved in it. Whereas Petrikov's very much nailed his colours to the mast, which is very good. Quite a funny question where he was asked about his philosophy. And I was watching an interview between uh, Gary Neville and Roy Keane earlier. Um, they were having a conversation and they were talking about how this question's sort of faux pas for them too. And Petrikov, in response to it said, and what was Chenko's philosophy? And the response was like playing out the back, playing on the first number. And he was like, well, as Petro mentioned, they're going to be playing for the win. <laughs> That's going to be the main thing. So I don't know how what that is going to entail. I know that he was very much ca- for the counter-attack in the Under-20 World Cup. So we'll see where that goes. But he's got some good players to help him out with all of that Mm -hmm. and yeah in general he had he doesn't shy away from when someone's giving him a question or anything like that and I think he's going to be well I think a lot of people are wishing him very well because of how well he's perceived himself so far during the training session he was getting involved in sort of the warm-up, which is the majority of what the media can see anyway for the opening 15 minutes. He was like jogging about 20 metres behind the main team just on his own for the whole duration of it. Quite funny. Um, But he is, you know, in his 60s or whatever. So fair enough. And hopefully he can garner the respect of the senior players as well as he does of the sort of the youth players that he's relying upon during this next few months too. You know, you've seen the likes of Kornenko, um Sikans even involved. It's all, it's looking new. We'll see what comes of it, but I think it's going to be interesting. And obviously the make or break game is probably going to be that France tie on Saturday at the Olimpijski. And we'll see if uh, petrokov has got some sort of masterful insight, and maybe can even do one better than Shvetsenko and actually defeat them.
2: Uh, we'll only see. I mean, Peter, what's you been happy with the squad selection? Surprised by it? Do you feel like it's a new, you know, new generation coming through?
0: Well, I think the first place to start is with obviously the goalkeepers because <laughs> the three original ones are no longer with us, so um, so that's all changed. And I think uh, and they're not dead. <laughs> <laughs> not yet anyway um but i think Andre called it at the start of the year when he was doing his predictions and Andrei piatov getting 100 caps might just happen now so he was uh he was retired in in july at the end of the euros and now he's back and he's probably a favorite to start as captain um so that's quite a bit of a whirlwind couple of months for him um but elsewhere, yeah, the Brazilians are no longer going to be included as well. Um, Petrov again, made a you know, a pretty publicly um, clear and very favourable with the public um, stance that you know the time of Marlos and Junior Marais has come to an end. Um, Marlos swiftly announcing his retirement after that, um, so that's refreshing. And yeah, he's um, like uh, Andres just mentioned, he's bringing through some of the players that helped him to win the under 20s like Sikan again getting called up as a replacement um with Artem Dovbuk's injury. We ask is getting his chance but then there's um Taras Khachabara, who he wasn't in he was obviously a bit older but he's a, a new face that uh, Petrakov is bringing in himself so it's going to be interesting to see. Um yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Good good good. Now, expectations for the games? What we hoping for guys? Peter, you can kick us off.
0: I'm expecting to beat Kazakhstan, of course, uh, and then if we get a draw against France, um, I'd take that. So four points from the two games would be a good result for myself. And then obviously there's a friendly afterwards, which you know we'll, you know we'll see what happens with that. But um, qualification for the playoffs is is still on the cards, and if we don't achieve that, then it's a failure. So that's the aim. how will we get there doesn't matter. But so long as we're in the playoffs in March,
1: uh, I'll be satisfied. You'll be satisfied. Right. Uh, Ukraine always dealt poorly with the teams they uh, were expecting to to draw with. So uh, I wouldn't go so far and uh, predict that Petrako would go for a draw with France, so um, it's just you don't need that mentality anymore. you know, you don't need any more kim Pembe own goals like out of nothing. You need to do something for it. So definitely three points with Kazakhstan and something better than with France to give us some breathing space in this uh, second position. Which I would just I would just like to point out one fact about the coaches that uh, you remember Maldera from. Uh, staff. He used to be like a tactical geek, sort of, and he still is, but not in Ukraine anymore. And he was blamed for Sweden <laughs> and England, sorry, for England, I believe. He was blamed for England's failure in the Euros. And now we have Andriy Yankov, who is um, a former Lobanovsky trainee or whatever. He played under his command and nothing quite... Uh, you know uh, relatively big about uh, him as an assistant coach he used to be an assistant for Petrkov in under 20 and he was asked which system would he prefer to do the analysis on instead of white scout and he couldn't answer properly and when he was asked which aspects of the game would you like to see and Adam you, you you should you should know your aspects just like any one of us but he said weaker points stronger points of the game that's what we like to see we will have to <laughs> watch this space further and compare his knowledge with Moldares. <laughs> it's gonna be gonna be an
2: interesting week. It certainly is. Of course, the friendly. Would you like to see an experimental side in the in the check game, Peter, or would you like to see him sort of go out with the strongest still ever building confidence? Uh, I kind of
0: de- for me it depends how the first two games go. Uh, if they have mm. gone well, then feel free to experiment, but if it looks like we need to build a bit more cohesion, um, then, you know, play as a stronger team as you can. Obviously there'll be some players who have restrictions from the clubs who might say, please don't play as much. And um, we know that Dynamo Cave's boss will be asking them not to play as much. So they might even withdraw for that last friendly, mm-hmm. as is uh, the likes of Luchescu's international players. Um, but yeah, I think that's a key. Uh, one of the, thing that I'd like to point out as well is the last time we changed a coach halfway through um, a qualifying campaign was obviously when Fomenko came in in 2014 World Cup qualifying and he got us playing some of the best football I remember, and was counter-attacking but he got some of the best results that 3-1 win in Poland is memorable so if Petrakov can get us off with a memorable win in Kazakhstan and get the ball rolling and get us to the playoffs, then I'll be a happy
2: bunny. Good to hear. Now, Andrew, what are you hoping for in these games as well?
3: Well, really, you'd hope for six points if Zabriden uh, I really want to still challenge for the top spot. It's going to be difficult. Obviously, we know. But I think four points would probably be the lowest. A loss to France would just hinder even chances of potentially finishing second. We haven't played Bosnia twice yet. So there's always that chance. And, you know, France, I think, might even be without Kante, who got injured in the Liverpool match the other day. So that's potentially a positive. Okay, we don't have our first-choice keepers. But Piatov, you know, he's experienced. He could still do the job. He showed that he still has got something there going on. If there's ever a time to turn up. Surely it's got to be against France. And then the Czech Republic game, that's just going to be glorified friendly. Maybe we'll see Sucan turn up, mm-hmm. get his debut, maybe even get a goal. Who knows? But that's probably just going to be more of a fair opportunity for Jaren uh, Sufau and uh, Suchek to get at the end of the game, West Ham boys with all their thumbs up and that kind of thing.
2: <laughs> um, before we go, where are we with Yaramchuk? Is he did he fly out to Kazakhstan in the end, or is he is he going to join up on Saturday?
3: No, he's out to Kazakhstan. He's with the I think the second batch of uh, foreign based players with like Malinowski and the likes. Okay. Uh, he yeah, so he had raised temperature after getting the Covid vaccine and luckily it's sort of calmed down I think uh, on Sunday night so he should be all good to go and potentially may even feature but time will tell I guess and we'll find out on Wednesday the only issue is is that maybe Wednesday is that game that you could potentially risk not starting him just to make sure that he's fully fit for the big one
2: mm-hmm.
3: on Saturday
2: Dov Bix out if I'm, if I'm right yep
3: yeah, bruised ribs so, who replaces him? There's no more call ups. <laughs> uh, that's the sad thing. Yeah. Luckily, Sikand got the extra call up. Otherwise, so. you know, maybe it would have been Supraha coming in.
0: Another thing worth mentioning, obviously, we've just mentioned Piatov's set for his 100th cap if he plays in all three games, but um, there's a player who's closer to 100 caps, uh, and that's Andrei Yarmolenko, who's on 99 at the minute. So, if he plays one, he joins the Centenary club of uh, Sheva, Tolik, and, and Ruslan Rotan. So uh, it's a nice occasion for him, and hopefully he's celebrating with three points.
3: Well yeah. deserved when once he gets that.
0: Definitely. So. a legend.
2: Definitely so. Well said. Well said. A few more
0: goals as well, and he'll be the new record goal scorer as well. So double hat trick against Kazakhstan. That'll do the business.
2: Oh, wouldn't that be a great? great celebration but that's it for today everyone I mean I hope I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have it's been great fun looking forward to watching the national team this week and hopefully by the next time we get back to you we're celebrating six points for the on on the road to Qatar. Uh, Peter, it's been great as always having you join us what have you got lined up for Donetsk this season?
0: Just, my I've been a bit quiet over the last couple of months just other things and just having a break really um, so I've been a bit quiet and then just getting the ball rolling again and then just the usual kind of um, blogs and things, hopefully we get a few visits in I think we've got the Ukraine women team uh, playing in Glasgow at some point mm. so we're hoping to, to visit that one um, and then we'll, we'll kind of see what, what happens but steady away
2: yeah, good, good, good. And for people who want to follow it, it's the and new listeners
0: at Donet Square uh, 2012 on um, Twitter and Instagram, and we're on Facebook as well.
2: Ah, cheers, cheers. Wish you the best for the season, Ray. Great fun as always, mate. Some great description there from you. Really enjoyed it. For our new listeners as well, mate, where's where's the best place they can follow you?
1: Thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure. Uh, for me, it's Ray Vic. Instagram.
2: And just one thing, Ray, before we go. What was going on with the Salo Obolon this week?
1: This is one of our usual performances back at North Kiev. So stay tuned for more.
2: Okay. Cheers, cheers. I will do. I will do. And Andrew, hey, thanks for all the hard work you've been doing. It's been great. Some of the feedback on Twitter from the press conferences. Great episode as well tonight, mate. Where's the best place for new new listeners to follow you?
3: Yep, Zorya Londonsk on Instagram and Twitter. Sadly, not going to Kazakhstan due to visa faux pas from Kazakhstan end, decided to send me a letter of invitation that I needed to apply for the visa on Friday, uh, about five days before the match. And obviously they don't work on the weekends or, and had a special celebration day, on monday so they wouldn't have been able to process start processing the five-day visa thing until the day before the game so that's good old post-soviet bureaucratic um, processes there and but looking forward to the game at the olympisky so everyone stay tuned for that some live coverage from that coming up
2: Ah, brilliant 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 i uh, hope you enjoy it as much as we will at home of course that's it for today everyone you can follow me as well i'm adam at Horefort 24. it's been great hosting this exciting episode of the ukraine plus football podcast but till next time everyone take care stay safe and goodbye for now